Welcome to Mindset Reset Radio, where we're on a mission to help millennials get intentional in life, business, and career with practical advice and real stories of living with intention, the good, the bad, and lots of the ugly. I'm your host, Jess, and my goal is to flip your perspective on what's possible with the help of the amazing intention getters I get to have as guests. Join my community on Instagram, at Jessica Thiefels, so we can keep these conversations going while supporting one another to stay intentional every day. And finally, if you love this podcast, please subscribe, share, and review. I would greatly appreciate it. I am so excited to bring Melanie Paget Powers onto the show today. We're going to talk about all things intentional freelancing. Melanie is a freelance writer and editor and host for the podcast, The Deliberate Freelancers. So thank you so much for being here today, Melanie. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. Yeah, I'm excited too, because I have done, I did freelance for many years before starting my business. So I know the challenges, both the beauties and the struggles of doing it. Um, I'm really excited to talk about getting intentional. But first, tell us what you do, who you are, all that good stuff. Sure. So I'm the owner of Mel Edits. I'm a freelance writer and editor in the Washington, D.C. area. And I have two areas that I focus on. I write for membership associations and I write a lot about healthcare. So that means I write for associations that are health-related, but I also write for a lot of other associations that have nothing to do with healthcare. And then outside of the association world, I focus on healthcare as far as I ghostwrite for hospital consumer blogs and sometimes um, healthcare companies and pharmaceutical companies. And I'm also an editor. So that means I'm a managing editor of magazines and newsletters. That's a big job. So I usually have one or two clients doing that. And then I'm a copy editor and a proofreader. And then I'm a podcast host of Deliberate Freelancer, as you mentioned. Yeah. Awesome. I love it. I love talking with people who are in the writing and editing world because like, I feel like we just get each other in a way that (laughs) other people don't get what we do or, you know, who we are. (laughs) Yes, exactly. All of us content producers. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of us out there doing important work. So I'm really excited to dive into bringing intention to our freelancing business. And this actually came up when I was recording on your podcast. Yes. And it's so important for a lot of reasons. So I want to just dive right in. I feel like let's talk about why it's important to bring intentional to your freelance intentionality intention to your freelance business. Sure. I love the way that you use the word intention or just that you use the word intention. It's not a word that I use often, but it's definitely a part of my life and the message that I'm trying to share with other freelancers. I have used the word mindset a lot. And so my um, sort of mantra to freelancers and the reason that I got into podcasting is I really believe that you, as a freelancer, you are not quote unquote, just a freelancer. You really have to set this mindset that you are a freelance business owner. Now, I don't care if you're one person. I don't care if, you know, under IRS regulations, you're still a sole proprietor, but you are a business owner. And I think when you start to embrace that mindset, your purpose and your ideas and your strategies all shift. You, you know, you're not just hustling day to day, taking whatever work can come, you know, not really sure how much money you're making and, oh my gosh, I need more work this week and who, who do I know and where can I pitch a story if you're a writer? 
you're really looking at it from a business perspective. You're setting goals, you're developing strategies, you're creating marketing plans, you're creating a whole setup of a business and having that mindset, I think, really leads to you respecting yourself more and recognizing your own value. And when you recognize your own value, you go for the best clients, you turn down work that doesn't fit you, you charge more. Um, so it really is about that mindset. And like I said, I love that you use intention and intentionality because I think that just goes hand in hand. Yes, absolutely. Getting intentional about stepping into that mindset. And I feel like what I hear with everything you're saying is like this sense of empowerment that you are empowering yourself. You're stepping into a more empowering mindset that says, I'm not just a piddly old freelancer taking what I can get. I'm a business owner. I'm someone building something for myself. Is that how you feel when you, when you talk about it or share about it? Yes, absolutely. And this goes for all people, but you know, a lot of my listeners, a lot of people in writing and editing are women, right? And so there's a whole other component of being a woman in the workforce and then, and then going into freelancing and suddenly having possibly more power than you had as an employee mm. and recognizing you know, the, the way you might have held yourself back or the way that society holds yourself back. And I think you know, I've become a lot more... I was always a good employee, um, <laughs> you know, and I, but I kind of did what I was told and I didn't really push mm -hmm. back against the system. And frankly, I got to the age of 40 and I was like... Screw this. And that's when I became a freelancer. I really, and I don't think that was coincidental that it happened when I got to 40 after I learned a lot in my 30s. And so, yeah, I really do believe it's a lot of empowering yourself. Mm hmm. Yeah, empowering yourself to, let's, let's see, like, so you empower yourself to set better rates and to accept the clients that are a good fit for you. And I feel like that's so huge because. I know as a freelancer, I spent many years resenting a lot of my clients because I would just take work just because it was there. I mean, any freelancers listening know that roller coaster, that feast or famine that is very common with freelancing when you have clients, a lot of clients and you're crazy busy and then you drop and you're, and you're really, you're feeling like, oh my God, I need to get more. So I want to actually talk about how shifting into this mindset, let's dig a little bit more into how it can help us better manage that feast or famine pattern because it, that is, I feel like, one of the most stressful things about being a freelancer. And as a business owner, you're actively building things in a way that that's not happening. So how do we, how can you make that shift into that mindset? I think I asked like three questions there. Just <laughs> wrong with it. <laughs> we'll go for it. I think part of it is as a business, stepping back and coming up with a plan, right? Mm -hmm. I don't have you know, the business plan that a company would have and have to present to investors. It doesn't have to be that difficult, but writing it down and writing it down is key because if it's just in your head, you're not going to remember it. You're not going to follow it. It's, you're still going to get back into that feast or famine. So coming up with, you know, what are your goals? What do you want to do with your life? And it's not just, this is my financial goal or I want to be a writer in the New York Times. It's, I want to work 30 hours a week. I want, you know, if I have children, I want to be there when they're in normal times, when they get off school at two or three o'clock, I want to have the whole afternoon off for the kid. Like, what are your goals? Mm. And really creating something around that. And I think when you start to 
recognize too that you need to charge for your value and not charge for the hourly rate. You're not charging someone who has 20 years of experience in a particular field and is an expert will one, work faster and will turn out a better quality product than someone who's newer. And so you should not be charging an hourly rate because this thing took you two hours to do. They are paying for your 20 years of experience or your five years of experience. You know, they're, they're paying for that expertise that you have. That's why they hired you because they don't have either the expertise or the time to do that project. And so they're paying you for your value. And so that means you try not to charge an hourly rate. You try to charge a project rate. And you rec- recognize, like, we're all making these rates up. People say, oh, my gosh, how do I charge for a project rate? And, you know, and I come up with the formula that I have what I call the hidden se- my hidden secret rate that I try not to charge, but I know that I want to earn per hour. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I try to figure out how long a project would take and I do multiply that by the hourly rate and then I bump it up and I don't have a set percentage, just like... Let's just bump it up and, you know, see if this works. And so, you know, I'm making this up too. So um, don't get all stuck on, you know, what other people are charging or what you think you um, can get necessarily. I I like that you mentioned resentment because Mm. that is a common pitfall. You should never, you know, I like to say you can negotiate down, you can't negotiate up. Mm -hmm. And if you, you know... Uh, send a proposal out there and you really think you should be charging 2000 but you send a proposal for 1300 and they say yes, and then you're pissed off because you're only getting 1300 for this project. And you never want to have that kind of resentment. Yes. And I would feel that way all the time because then you're doing all this work and you're not getting paid what you deserve to get paid. And then you're producing a, a less quality result more than likely because you're not fully invested in it. For me, a few things that one thing that always, always sticks in my mind is something my husband taught me, which is if you don't ask, the answer is always no. And I take that into account with pricing. So I come to my ideal price and it's the same as you. Like it's not some specific formula. I do sort of start as a base with my hourly, Mm -hmm. um, just as a base level. And then I go in and I add time for like, oh, I'm gonna have to pay my contractors to help me with this. And Mm -hmm. let's buffer here because there's gonna be emails and phone calls. And so I know all of that's gonna come into play. And I always just put out the rate that I, a rate higher than what I would wanna get. So as we negotiate down, if if they wanna pay that, great. And I know it'll be worth it and I know I'll provide that value, but if they negotiate down, I can still get a rate that I'm gonna feel comfortable working at. And so I feel like it's, it's so scary to put that out there because it's like, what if they say no, you know? Yeah. And it's like, they might, but it's very unlikely that they're just going to walk away. Right. They're going to say, we want to pay something else. Right. And, and I've, I still have to tell myself this, and I've been doing this almost seven years now. And, you know, they're not going to scream at you and call you names right. and hang up on the, you know, hang up the phone or never respond to your email. And if they do, that's not the kind of person you want to work with anyway. So, you know, another thing I do is I never give a rate over the phone because I'm just not good at it, yeah. you know, and I, I get excited by every project that I talk about. And then it's only later when I get off the phone and think, oh, that might be trouble or that might not be that interesting and I'm going to charge for that, right? So Mm -hmm. if I don't really want to do the project, but I know I can do it, I charge more for that. And if they're willing to pay that, fine. 
And so I never uh, quote a price over the phone, even if they want kind of a range, which in my world, I don't get that question that often. Oh, okay. um, so I'm very lucky in that sense. Yeah. And, but I usually will say, let me think, let me look this over, look my notes over here and I will come up with a proposal and get back to you later today or tomorrow. And then I have time to sort of do that math and think it through. And that has really helped me because a couple of times in the beginning I did charge by the hour and I told him my hourly rates and, you know, and I got into projects that I later resented as well. Yeah. What, what I feel with that too, is when I'm giving a rate on the phone, I always give it lower than it should be because like you, I get nervous because I also don't have like, I do have my a la carte rates that are consistent and like I have my pricing sheets, but oftentimes when I'm working with someone, it's like, I want some of this and some of this and some of this. And so I'm trying to like do math quickly on the phone. And I've also had to just get good about being like, okay, let me talk to you. I mean, I will email you in the next hour because then I also like to run it by my husband because I do tend to shoot lower than I should. And he reminds me like, I feel like that should be a little bit higher. You know what I mean? I feel like you're cutting yourself, uh, selling yourself short here. So yeah, getting off the phone and giving your rates later, I think helps you step into that place of a business owner because then you can put on your critical mindset. You're not in a rush um, and you can really give a good rate. Which, as you were talking about that, made me think about what are some tactical things, and I'm thinking like physical, like logo or pricing sheet, that freelancers can create and develop to sort of step more intentionally into that role of a freelance small business owner or freelance business owner. Um, that they would give to other, to the potential clients yeah, or just, just for themselves? sort of like solidify mm-hmm. themselves as a business, not just yes. someone taking random work. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, one pagers that outline, this is what it's like to work with me. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, if um, I find people don't always know the difference between editing and proofreading and be- between, you know, besides getting too nerdy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I have this on my website, you know, copy editing is you know, before the design process. It's a Microsoft Word document typically or Google Doc. Um, This is what proofreading is. So I kind of explain what my services actually are and what, um, and I can do that, could do that as a, you know, you could do that as a one pager, kind of explain things, you know, figure out the questions that your potential clients might ask or the misconceptions you've heard about your service and, and what types of things your industry provides. Another thing is, you know, you could also ask questions about, you know, how do you prefer working together? You know, I tend to like email. Some people might get on Slack. Some people may love phone calls. Um, I think that's good. You know, you could come up with a short list of questions to ask the potential client about, you know, working together and various things that are important to you. And I think that that shows, you know, I like to show that, you know, you're not just asking me, you know, whether I'm available and I can do this thing. I'm sussing you out to see whether you're a good client and I want to work with you as a person, right? Because people want to work with people that they like and they connect with, you know, who aren't a PETA, a pain in the ass client. (laughs) And um, I'm sussing that out too. You know, I I got to this place in my career (laughs) pre-pandemic where I could, I could, turn down work for various reasons. Mm-hmm. And um, so I think when you show that you're taking it seriously, they recognize that, you know, they recognize that you are like, oh, wait, they're asking me questions too. They're not just, you know, saying, oh, I'll do it for this much. And, you know, when do you need it? 
Right. Absolutely. I totally agree. Putting on that professional front and not only does that help show them something, but it helps you step into that role. You know, like I'm a business owner. This is how I evaluate potential clients. And I'm not going to live in that feast or famine roller coaster. I'm going to take on clients that I know see my value and I trust. Like for me, a big part of all that has been trusting that when I say no to a client, that another client will come. Yes. Um, and that's like such a challenging part of the mindset um, and why I said yes to so much for so long. But it really does. And my husband jokes about it because I've said this to him too. I'll say no to someone. Sure enough, two days later, I'll have an email from someone else looking for work, maybe a previous client or someone new. And he's like, it always happens. You're yeah. so right. Every time you say no. And it's because there's just something about, it. I say universe, but source, God, whatever you think. I believe that, that when you do that and you step into your power, the universe or source or God sees that and says, we got you. Here, here's something that is more worth your time. Um, yeah, I believe that too. And, you know, I always kind of say that too. It's karma or it's the universe. And my husband is the same. You know, I will tell him, I will show him proposals and say, okay, I'm thinking about asking for this because he owns a business as well. And so we talk a lot about sort of you talk how we talk to clients and marketing and that type of thing. But, you know, if you don't have a partner who in your life or someone that just doesn't have that kind of experience, you know, find a trusted friend, find another freelancer who can, you know, you can run things by who you, who is that trusted source and you know, they'll keep it confidential and you'll say, here's what I'm thinking about charging or because a friend or a partner or a family member that gets it is going to not be as hard on you as you are on yourself. And they're going to remind you how great you are at what you do and that you should ask for that bigger number. Yeah. And I feel like bringing someone like that in or a few people like that is another piece of stepping into your space as a business owner because in stepping into that mindset, for example, I sort of started like a little mini, we called it a mini mastermind with um, a few girls, one that I didn't know and two that I did. And we would just get together once a month and talk about business and we would bounce ideas off of one another. And there's something about that that just like feels good, you know, to be talking about what you want in your business, um, to be talking about the clients you're working on and to have those conversations. And I feel like if you can find one person as sort of like your, your business, your someone to bounce ideas off of, or like be an accountability partner, or if you can find a small group, I mean, they already exist. There's lots of now virtual, but outside of this, even just regular networking groups and like free little mastermind groups where you can sort of step in as a business owner and ask those questions and, and also see your own knowledge and expertise when people are asking questions and you can give them solid, supportive answers and feedback. It's like, wow, like I really am. I really am learned. I really have learned a lot in being a freelancer. You know, I'm not just a freelancer. I have all this business knowledge as well. Exactly. Yeah. And I think building that community and stepping into that community, and as you said, being a resource for them and also getting information from those from a community is so critical to being a successful freelance business owner. You cannot do it alone. Those freelancers who think, oh, I'm not going to connect with other writers because we're all competing for the same pile of money and the same byline. And those are my competitors. They are not your competitors. I get more referrals and more advice and more support from other writers and editors. I have such a great network of people that I've developed both in Facebook groups and going to conferences. And then that translates back online. And 
you know, you have to have that support system. And, you know, people call it networking and networking just is a dirty word to a lot of people. It, it makes them feel uncomfortable and they think of like uncomfortable small talk and cocktail hours. And I really, I'm big about renaming things. And, you know, networking to me is relationship building. Mm-hmm. And I like having new friends and I like talking to people about writing and editing. So I, if I connect with someone, I'll talk all day long about writing or editing or associations or podcasting. And then you never, I'm not trying to get something from them. I'm not trying to get work from them. And then a year later they say, Hey, someone's looking for a healthcare writer on this thing. Should I refer them to you? And so again, the universe is just coming back and helping you out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I was thinking um, a few days ago too, that it's so true. Your network is your net worth, especially as a business owner. And and also I think the thing with networking is people feel icky about it because they think they have to go in and sell themselves. And so I love how you bring up the point of like, this is just a chance to build relationships. And in fact, trying to sell yourself the first time you connect with someone is probably going to look reflect poorly on you. So being a business owner is also about building your brand and building relationships that are going to last longer. You are not, you know, it's not just you anymore. It doesn't have to be just you. You can open yourself up to these people. Yeah. And, and, and get the benefits of doing what great business owners do, which is networking and building those relationships. Yeah. It's almost a cliche to be authentic, but Mm. it's not. It's so true that if you are authentic and just talking about what you are an expert in and what you like and what you're interested in and being really personable, you know, I show my humor. I talk about my cats. I talk about how I'm really missing baseball right now, you know, Mm. and that authenticity comes through and the people that respond to it want to work with me. And it's the same for my podcast. I'm very honest on the podcast and I that wasn't a deliberate, to use my mm-hmm. podcast name, that wasn't a deliberate choice. That's just kind of how I am. But people have really responded to that authenticity in a way that I hadn't really anticipated. Yep. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. So you mentioned something in your notes before we recorded that I want to bring up because I love this idea of having a solo business retreat. Tell us, tell us what that means and how someone can do their own. Sure. So this, I kind of fell into this accidentally when I first started freelancing because I'm very analytical and I love thinking about where do I want to go and what clients do I want to pursue and do I want to change my services? And so I decided to host my own and I jokingly called it my solo business retreat because at the time I re- I don't like to leave my house. I'm perfect for the <laughs> pandemic. Um, I'm such a homebody that I retreated from my office on the second floor to my dining room on the first floor. That was my whole retreat. <laughs> retreat. And of course, you know, retreats are usually big company retreats and mine was solo. But so I've done this, I did this early on and I now do it usually about once a quarter. I would suggest at least doing it twice a year. And it's really a time to get out of your workspace, whatever that is, even if it right now, it's just going to a different room in your house, going outside. In the past, I've gone to the local library. I even did it in a hotel once when I was there for Mm -hmm. a conference. I had some extra time. But finding a place that is not your usual workspace and creating an agenda and getting fun things like post-it notes and Sharpies and big pads of paper, just like they would at a corporate retreat and blocking off the day 
and don't do client work that day. You know, put an out of office on, do not get into email. You are not doing client work. You were there to work on your business that day. And ask yourself the big questions. And this is why this is why I have an agenda because like to think ahead of time of what I really, what the focus is. And over the years, the focus of my retreats have been a little different for each one. So I kind of fell into the whole solo business retreat. Um, I'm very analytical and I like to step back and look at things kind of big picture. And so early on in my business, I did this just kind of on a whim where I took off a whole day and I didn't do client work and I decided to figure out what kind of goals I wanted to set for my business and what if I wanted to change types of services and just really where I wanted to go. And I jokingly called it my solo business retreat because of course, you know, as a homebody, I didn't really go very far. I retreated from my office on my second floor to the dining room on my first floor of my house. And, um, you know, of course it was solo and I thought that was kind of funny because you think of retreats and you think of these big corporate retreats, but it was just me and my dining room. Mm -hmm. And so I've had a lot of response from other freelancers when I talk about this. It's not something that they do and they think, oh, I want to try that. And so I've talked about it a lot with people and I would recommend doing it at least start out at least once or twice a year. Now is probably a really good time to do it as everybody's trying to figure out how to pivot during this pandemic. But I try to do it every quarter now. And sometimes I stay at my house and sometimes I go to the library and I've gone, I've done it at a hotel and I make it really fun with, I like colorful things. So I have bright Sharpies and post-it notes and big pads of paper. And so it's really important to get out of your workspace. So you have a new kind of just view of, you know, where you are in a different, you know, mindset and just gets, makes you a little more creative and get things that you can physically write on. That's very helpful and important. And, you know, block off the whole day. Do not do client work. Do not look at email. Put your out of office message on. This is really your time to focus on your business. And create an agenda beforehand. Ask yourself, you know, what do I want to work on? Um, You know, maybe you want to spend an hour working on smart goals or I've done things like rank and rate my rate and then rank my clients. So I created just my own little mm-hmm. scale of one to five of what was important to me. So, you know, they paid well, they were fun to work with, it was a fun project. And then I, you know, very analytically, instead of just thinking, oh, that's a great client or that's a bad client, I rated them. And then I took that whole list and I ranked them. And the year that the first time I did that, there were a couple of clients at the end at the bottom of that list that I knew, you know, those are a couple clients that I don't really like to work with. And I knew that. But once I saw that kind of in black on on this sheet, saw all the great clients above them, it gave me sort of the push to get rid of those clients and to not work with them anymore. So, you know, and I've created things like... um, I ask myself, you know, I have a, a goal that I try, strive for every year. It's kind of like my mantra, like, who do I want to be in my world? What is my ma- major goal? Sometimes I create words of the year that I want to focus on. And so I really just like having these retreats as a way to figure out, you know, you're hustling every day, right? Even if you're thinking like a business and you're creating a plan and you're working on the work, it's rare that you take that time to step back and really think about, Am I going in the direction I want to go in? Am I actually taking projects that are that work toward that goal that I have or am I just taking on work? You know, am I doing what I want to do? Is there something I don't like about my business? Is there something really bold that I want to try? 
So those solo business retreats really are a fun way to get you enthusiastic about your business again if you're feeling a little burned out or just get you moving in a different direction. Oh, I love that idea so much. And I especially love it because as coming from someone who my business was just freelance, I was working full-time for many, many years. And so as it's rolled into a full-time business, while it's very successful and I'm very grateful for it, I actually like really don't do any of that business stuff. And I'm really seeing that I need to start bringing that in. It just sort of my business sort of happened organically and Mm -hmm. grew organically, which is beautiful. But it just means that now as it continues growing and getting bigger, there's more need for that. And so I love the idea of people who have come from freelancing on the side that are maybe now doing it full time. The idea of doing something like like that to almost like kick it off as a full-time business. Like Mm -hmm. maybe that's the first time you really step into this seat of, or the role of business owner, because it's incredible being your own business owner because you get to decide what you want. Like I, I say to, um, I've said to my husband before, like, I love being able to steer this ship, but yeah. to steer the ship, you, you have to be the captain and you have to get into that mindset of this is my business and I'm going to treat it as such. And I feel like doing a solo business retreat like that is the perfect way to do that. And it's fun. Like, isn't that fun to just like plan something like that and exactly. take a whole day to just focus on what you love, which is running your business. I love that. Yeah. I find it very invigorating. And like I said, I've done it before when I was feeling a little burnout and it's kind of refocused me in certain areas. Mm -hmm. I also think for, I think it's really smart to do it toward the beginning. If you've just started freelancing or toward the beginning or anytime you're taking kind of a major shift. Mm -hmm. Um, I think what I found, this happened to me and I know what's happened to my friends that success can sneak up on you and suddenly you're working ridiculous hours. You're working on the weekend. You're feeling like I can't take a vacation because I have so much work. And really, is that what you want to be doing as a freelancer? Like I got into this because of the freedom of it. Right. I certainly am want to tr- uh, to treat myself better than uh, an employer would treat myself, which means more than two weeks of vacation a year, more <laughs> than just the federal holidays. You know, I like to take a lot of time off. I love to travel when we're able to, and so. I had one retreat where I realized I had gotten super busy and I was doing some things that I didn't love to do. And it really helped me scale back and change some of the clients I was working with to focus on other areas where I could make a little more money and not feel and, you know, make more money in less time. That's always my goal, right? So um, yeah, I think that can happen with really successful freelancers where suddenly they find themselves super busy and they don't really know how to get out of it. So a retreat can help you really step back and focus and help you focus what you, know, what you want your business and your life to look like. Yeah, really get tuned in and not, not let yourself get too carried, carried off the path that you want to be on. And also our our businesses like us are constantly evolving. So making sure that as your business is evolving and as you're evolving, those two things are staying connected and aligned with one another is so key to running a freelance business that you're excited about. So you don't get to the point where it's something you hate because you've taken on so many clients. You love it because you are making those decisions and you are ensuring that it's something that yeah, fits with what you want right now. And that that's where I'm at right now with my business is 
is realizing the business that I have is amazing, but I think there's a different business that I want. And so Mm -hmm. figuring out what that looks like and then starting to move in that direction. Yeah. And what you said, I relate to what you said about evolving. I did not have that foresight when I started. I thought, well, I'm a freelance writer and editor. And at the time I was also doing social media strategy and management and I had not started my podcast yet. And one of the greatest, most fun, exhilarating things about freelancing, I realized that, wow, it really is going to evolve and change. And I'll, I'll get different types of clients and I'll want to do different things and I'll want to try new things and I'll want to learn new skills. And that has been such a surprise in a way. And also one of the things I love most about my business that you know, what I'm doing today doesn't have to be what I'm doing next year. Mm, I love that. Yeah. That keeps it exciting and interesting. I feel like Mm -hmm. shifting that mindset. Okay. Well, I love everything that you've shared with us. And I want you to just tell us a little bit about your podcast, The Deliberate Freelancer, because I feel like anyone listening to this who's a freelancer is getting so much, so many nuggets from what you're saying. So tell us about that podcast and why they should tune in. Sure. So Deliberate Freelancer is a year old, just a little over a year old. It comes out every Thursday. It's, of course, for those of you who aren't, well, you're listening to this, so you're used to podcasts, but (laughs) it's, of course, free. It's on every podcast app, or you can go to deliberatefreelancer.com. And it's for any freelancer, any level, in any industry. So I'm a writer and editor, but it's for a lot more than just writers and editors. And I really like to provide inspiration and tactics. Mm. So I provide a lot of things I talked about here. I have a whole episode on how to create your own solo business retreat and what you should do with that. I did an episode recently on how I am building my own resilience and pivoting during this pandemic. And I'm, you know, I'm telling you things uh, that I am learning along the way and things that I am working on. And then I really try to keep it real, especially right now, about how I'm feeling about everything and how it's affecting my business and how I'm learning to adapt. And I also want to give you strategies and tactics that you can use in your own business. My goal is to really help other freelancers accept the mindset that they are a freelance business owner. And here's how you go about making the most money you can in the least amount of time and reaching those goals and loving your freelance life. Yes, I love it. I love it so much. I have to subscribe. I actually haven't subscribed to your podcast yet. So that's happening immediately after we finish recording. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So, okay. My last question for you is, what is your current intention getter story? What are you working toward right now? So a lot of... What I'm working on right now is mostly related to my podcast or is related Mm -hmm. to my podcast. Um, So I have found myself during this pandemic with less work than I usually have. And that's a whole, you know, area I have to work on and I'm working on marketing and outreach and that kind of thing. But it's also a really good time for me to focus on my podcast and decide now that I've a year in and I'm going to keep doing it now that I know I'm not going to give up. Um, what I want it to become and how I want to promote it and make it bigger or if I want to make it bigger. Mm. You know, I've gone to podcast conferences the last 
last couple of years and I've learned, you know, gone to the great sessions about how to grow your podcast and market it and different things that you can do. And my podcast is really, it just grew organically. I mean, I'm on Twitter a lot. So I promote it on Twitter a lot. I promote it a little bit on Instagram and Facebook, but I'm not on those platforms as much as Twitter. And then I've mentioned it in person at networking events and when I spoke at editing and writing conferences. But I haven't had a big marketing push. I haven't um, developed an email list. I haven't developed a Facebook group or a Patreon account. And there's so many things that I could really do to grow my listenership, but also to really build a bigger community. I feel like a lot of the community right now is on Twitter. And there are thousands of freelancers out there who are not on Twitter and don't know it exists. And I, I really would like to help them as well. So my intention right now is to take this time that I have and to focus on you know, the big goals of what I want this podcast to be, how much I can devote to it, what I want am willing to do, and really how I can build a larger community around it. Love it. Absolutely love that. Well, thank you so, so much for being here with us today and sharing your knowledge. I know it's been super helpful for our listeners. So thank you so much, Melanie. Thank you, Jessica. It's been really fun. Yes, always fun. Thank you so much, listeners, for tuning in. And we will catch you on another episode of Mindset Reset Radio.